Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest, and I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Will Basta. Will, you are the co-founder, uh, and, and I'll say you're the co-founder of Ascend Ecom. Uh, you're found on the web at ascendecom.com, and uh, you're also an investor. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Josh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so we're really excited to have this conversation. You know, obviously, you know kind of what's going on, obviously, a lot of the trends that are happening in e-com right now. Um, But would you mind just kind of talking at first, kind of, uh, what does Ascend, what do you do? And and like, how are you kind of working in that world? Essentially, so I can give sort of the cliff notes uh, of how it came to be. Um, So we fast forward about 10 years of my life, I worked in the tech industry, but I was doing on the side, micro, I'd say micro investing in e-commerce here and there, having my failures, my minor successes in uh, Amazon and businesses like that. A few years ago, my business partner and I, um, we invested based off sort of market research in a so-called competitor of who we are today as an e-com. And without the plans of exactly starting our own organization, but really quickly, we, we started to unravel the inefficiencies in the industry and noticed a lot of gaps and sort of a broken business model out there that had a lot of potential that just was not executed right across the board um, in our industry, uh, so-called the automation industry, which I'll dive into in a second. Um, and so that really led us to essentially start our own company. And, and that's where Sendicom spawned. Uh, we wanted to do it the right way and fill in those gaps, legitimize the term e-commerce automation, and really do things the right way with proper infrastructure, ethics at the top, um, and more fluidity within you know, the investor relationship, client relationship, and the actual company. And so essentially what Ascend does, um, we are really a logistics company, a wholesale product distributor, as well as an e-commerce automation management company, really wrapped and baked into one. And if you sort of look at that, our, our flagship offering is an Amazon business. So we essentially, investors come to us when they want to tap into the now $5 trillion industry of e-commerce. Uh, and we essentially take that ball and we run with it. They invest with us and we build them out a profitable Amazon business and we run and operate that entire thing for them, leveraging our infrastructure, our two warehouse facilities that are exclusively ours in Dallas, um, our team of hundreds of employees, um, and our strategy and years of data really bringing success into the industry. So that's what we do uh, from a high level. That's essentially what we do. And, and obviously we can take that investment and run with it in a lot of different directions, but on the surface that's essentially what a Sendicom is. Yeah. Uh, and so what do you see in uh, kind of the e-com world? Uh, I love, I'd love your perspective on this. What do you see uh, maybe folks that are kind of getting into it? Maybe they've attracted some investor capital and or they're just, you know, they're bootstrapping in themselves. What are some of those very common mistakes that you see that make you go, oh, no, don't do that? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's also just sort of debunking the assumptions of the industry as well. So you can look at Amazon in general. So there's third-party platforms. There's doing it yourself on like a Shopify platform as well, which would include ad spend, et cetera. But a lot of people will go in themselves, um, which you can start, at, anyone can start their own Amazon business, right? But in this day and age, when you have the upwards of 3 million different sellers that you're competing against, the, the question is, is it too saturated? And the answer is yes and no. It's saturated for someone who doesn't have the right infrastructure in place. When I say right infrastructure, I mean, literally having employees for scale, you need to have a warehouse facility. And a lot of the times right now, you know, people are outsourcing that process to a third-party logistics company, which at the end of the day, that can turn into, you know, uh, there's deprioritization of your product and it can mess up the supply chain of getting a product to Amazon's warehouse and or getting it to a customer. And so it's really making sure you're putting the right pieces of the puzzle together in terms of efficiency, because the foundation of a successful business these days is making sure you have the proper infrastructure in place and you can trust that, that because competitors, you know, you're going to be competitive if you can do things at a faster pace and more efficient, right? And that's sort of where we come into place is we have all that stuff internally. We don't outsource any of it. So we have a lot of control, quality control and operational control of the supply chain in general. But a lot of mistakes people are making is, is essentially that. I mean, pretty much comparing where their warehousing is coming from and thinking everyone's on the same playing field. Hmm. And then that can just lead to, you know, late deliveries to lost products to you sort of name it if you're bootstrapping yourself or really thinking you can do it yourself and not incorporate those kind of aspects. Because at the end of the day, if you want to be competitive, infrastructure is key. And even if you have success selling out of your garage or your own mini warehouse, there is going to be a point where you want to take it to the next level. And in yeah. order to do that in this environment, you really need to have a real infrastructure in place and a truly justice company behind you that you can trust. So, so for someone who uh, maybe they just, you know, again, they're selling stuff out of their garage and, and they really haven't researched kind of that, that other path, of course, and that's, you know, selling through Amazon. Um, yeah. How, I mean, obviously, I think there's a there's a couple of ways that you can engage with Amazon, but um, yeah. can you kind of explain what that world is like for someone that's yeah. not actively? Uh, in yeah, that absolutely. So the most common thing we see is those obviously almost every neighborhood in the country, I could confidently say pretty much every neighborhood in the country has got Amazon Prime trucks driving around, dropping packages around literally everywhere. What people don't understand and, and know most of the time is those Prime trucks and those those packages in those trucks are actually a lot of those packages are owned by third-party sellers. They are getting distributed out of an Amazon warehouse as a prime product, but Amazon doesn't necessarily own those products. They do own some of them, but over 50% of Amazon's revenue comes from third-party sellers like our clients and like people that are doing it like our clients, right? And so that is called FBA, which means fulfilled by Amazon. That means those products are listed as prime products. So that means you can source them. Your responsibility is to source the products that you think are, are profitable based on data. And then you can't just send anything to Amazon. You need to prepare it in a proper manner, put it in a pulley bag based on Amazon specifications and then shoot it off to a distribution center for Amazon so they can put it into an Amazon warehouse. That's FBA. That obviously gets you access to prime customers, but we got to understand that not everyone's a prime customer, right? And Amazon obviously charges. They like that because they can control their brand on two-day shipping, but they obviously charge more fees. Um, so the margins sometimes can be lower on that. Then there's fulfilled by merchant. Fulfilled by merchant means you're not involving Amazon at all in the fulfillment process. You're essentially the one, you're the person who is sending it directly to a customer that purchases it. So an end customer that goes online on Amazon 
They don't have two-day shipping. They don't have Amazon Prime. They might have two-day shipping. It's possible, but they don't have a Prime membership. So they're sourcing products or looking for products outside of that. And that's how you can cover the ground and sell to those clients. Mm. The issue with that side of the business is Amazon is still trying to control their brand a little bit. So they have their eyes on you like a hawk. Oh, yeah. Sure you are not making sure you are not messing up their brand and it's customers first with Amazon, right? So you need to be very, very efficient in how you do it or else you can get your business in trouble very, very quickly. Um, and in order to do that properly, that goes back to what I mentioned before. Like we do a little bit of both for ours. We balance out everyone's portfolio and their businesses so you don't lose customers by not just selling on one or the other. But our FBM model is sufficient to the point where you have to make sure that you're accurate in what you're saying the shift time is going to be and arrival time, right? Within a couple of days and that you're not having damage damaged boxes because that can affect a lot of things, which is sometimes out of your control, obviously. Um, and just a lot of factors in terms of just fulfillment, but there's less fees on that side because you're not paying storage fees with Amazon. And there's, there's benefits of both sides and there's drawbacks of both sides. And that's why I think it's always important to diversify your business. Um, mm -hmm. Once you have it established with an FBA business, we like to sprinkle an FBM after you've gained trust on the platform because Amazon is out to get you in the beginning and they're, they don't, they don't trust, they don't trust you in the beginning. So you have to earn their trust, earn your stripes, which we do that with FBA, right? Like I mentioned before, and then we can start to sprinkle in the other business models as your business expands. Yeah. So, um, and again, so the idea is like, um, obviously you have to have enough inventory. So let's say you have like, um, you know, 2000 units, um, the way, yeah. that, and again, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, no I'm a noob on no this. Worries. So, <laughs> no worries. so let's say I have like 2000 units in my garage and I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to get locked and loaded with Amazon. Do I just send all 2000 units to one location? Then Amazon gets it to the appropriate warehouses or yeah. So that's technically how, you know, at the end of the day, if you were a new seller, they're only going to allocate, allocate you a certain amount of warehouse space for Amazon because they don't trust you yeah. <laughs> again. And that, that, however they decide to open it up, obviously consistency of sales, happy customers, stuff like that, they'll start to allocate you more warehousing space. So for example, our distribution center is in Dallas specifically because it's 10 minutes from an Amazon distribution center. So we send all of our products there first. And then that algorithmically, depending upon what product it is that you're sending there, Amazon will distribute it out to their own Amazon FBA warehouses from there specifically, right? Um, based on the product and the two-day shipping and all the data that they have. So yes and no to your answer. That is how it works. Um, it's as simple as once you send it there and it's boxed the way it should be with the right labels, Amazon handles everything from there and they know where it should be located based on shopping trends and stuff like that. Um, and then, Will, in terms of like risks, let's say that um, you get too many strikes, right? Because I know um, things can happen. Like if you, yeah. let's say that you don't have the infrastructure in place, I'm sure you've heard some horror stories of people that like, I mean, they're all in, like they're heavily invested, like they got payroll and all yeah. this other stuff. Um, but yeah. because they don't meet Amazon standards, like... Amazon can pull the rug out from under you and like all of a sudden overnight, you're like, okay, no more business. Yeah. Of yeah. Hey, they can, you got to be very diligent, especially when you are scaling and things are going in the right direction. You can't lose track of the quality of the quality output, whether it's the packaging of the product, if you're doing FBM or how you're handling customer service, if you're doing FBM, because FBA, Amazon handles the customer service. If it's FBM, 
you're fulfilling it, you're handling everything else, right? And so there's also the ability of what are you selling? Are you selling, it's gotta be compliant. It's gotta be something that you're allowed to sell, right? You can't be selling someone else's product that's restricted. That's how you can get in trouble for IP and stuff like that. So complaints on that end. So there's a dashboard on Amazon Seller Central where you can gauge the health of your business and see what where you're overstepping. Uh, but sometimes it can happen overnight. And so that's also, that goes into the complexity of managing this kind of business yourself. It is extremely complex and you're constantly sort of on thin ice to some extent, um, you know, and so they're always analyzing sellers and making sure that, you know, they're doing right by the business. And that's just part, sellers make Amazon what it is, but at the same time, you know, they are, you know, they favor them, but they're very, very strict on a lot of things as they should be, you know, so. Yeah. And then um, I'm curious too, obviously, you know, you, you've done your fair share of investing. Um, is What are the biggest opportunities right now? If I said, well, listen, I, I don't want to start an e-com from company from scratch, but, yeah. you know, listen, I've got some capital. I, I think that, you know, there might be some opportunity. Is there a way to passively or a little bit more passively, you know, somehow get involved in e-com or, or is it pretty much yeah. just like you got to know somebody's like, okay, they're going to do it. And you got a friend or some kind of personal connection yeah. and you can invest in their company or there are better yeah. opportunities. I mean, that's, that is exactly what we do is we take the weight off everyone's plate. All of our investors, the commonality is they're extremely busy. They come from their school teachers or real estate investors, their financial sector. They want to get into the industry, but they don't have the time. Right. So you pay a company or provider like us, and we literally do 99% of the work for them. So it's, it's supposed to be, it is a passive business, right? Granted, you are starting from the ground zero. We're building a business from zero to six or seven figures. It's not a business that's already generating. There, that being said, you can buy into businesses that are already generating money. Mm. That's going to be a heftier price tag. You know, that's going to be in the six figures if you want something that's already, or you can do it yourself. Um, or I'm saying you can own it yourself and pay for an agency like us to do it on behalf of you. Um, mm -hmm. So there's those options, obviously. And right now it's the kind of situation where we have, you know, an economy that's a little fragile, uh, very fragile at the moment. You know, stock market is obviously, you know, having its ups and downs and sinking and all of that. Um, you know, crypto is not, it's in the bear market right now. And then you have the real estate market, which is inflated across the country. And there are good buys still um, in terms of real estate, but people are looking for alternative investments that are sustainable. What is still growing over last year's Q4 is Amazon. 4 to 8% growth this Q4 over last year's Q4, even with the current scenario that we're in right now. And why that's the case is because Amazon isn't all about buying the things you want. It's about buying necessities. We sell food. We sell detergent. We sell things that you need in your daily life. And people, based on how we are and the trends with buying, you know, we are... You know, we want stuff quick and we want convenience. And so the shoppers that normally would have gone to the store are now going online to buy their dryer sheets and the stuff that they need for their house. And so, excuse me. So that's why you're always going to see, you know, you're going to see exponential growth in this industry for a very, very long time, given the fact that it's only 16% of the retail sales market right now is e-commerce. It's predicted to be 90% by 95% by 2040, according to NASDAQ. So if you look at it like that, I mean, that's comparing... Myself, I shop 90% of the time online, right? And there's people who don't shop online yep. at all. But we're averaging all that out and it's only 16% in North America. That means there's exponential growth over the next 17 to 20 years. Um, and you know, there's a lot ahead. So getting a piece of it, it's not too late. 
And it's something that even with economic situations, like we're getting an example of it right now, you know, there's still growth ahead and it's sustainable in that aspect if you do it the right way. So, um, so Will, someone that's been listening to our conversation, like, um, uh, they, they want more of, of what you guys are doing. And like, um, well, let me ask you, well, look, before I get into like next steps for everybody, who yeah. would make like a really good introduction for you? Like in terms of like, you know, this is where they're at. Maybe this is, you know, investable income that they've got, um, you know, in terms of budgets that they can make this yeah. work well. Um, yeah. What are some of those? Um, sort of the ideal. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Before, you know, before they start giving you a call and say, hey, we're ready to yeah. roll. Uh, well, are you? Yeah. What yeah, questions yeah. would you so ask? At the end of the day, you know, the way this works is we are not, we're not presenting this opportunity as something to replace someone's income immediately or anything like that. This is a supplementary asset that we're growing for someone that can cash flow and be, be, have passive income and also appreciate over time, like digital real estate. But in order for this to be a comfortable investment, our investors are all financially comfortable already, right? So they have stability in their lives financially. They're just looking to diversify, right? And when you have money sitting in the bank during inflation, we all know that's not a good thing. And so at the end of the day, if you look at sort of, like I said before, our investors come from all different backgrounds. The commonality though, is they're looking for A, passive income, B, looking to diversify in an asset class outside of your traditional stocks and real estate. And, you know, C, they just want their money to work from them, work for them, right? And they don't have time. <laughs> the commonality is no one has time. So if you check on all those boxes and you don't have, uh, you know, credit that is in the 500s or, or low 600s, you know, you're pretty much a good candidate to invest in this. And um, it's just one of those things that it takes time for it to flourish. And so people need to be patient in this investment and realize that we're building them a real asset. It's not all about, you know, making money overnight. It's about building you a sustainable business that you can turn and flip down the line, but you need to understand it takes time for it to flourish. Even if we have an average break-even point on your investment between 12 and 14 months, which is a lot sooner than a lot of other investments, it still takes time for these building blocks to come together um, and for it to really flourish. And so patience, financial comfortability, you know, and really looking to diversify their assets and, and open, you know, open a new asset class in terms of their investments. Those are yeah. the things we look for. Yeah. Uh, so, well, Will, uh, your website is ascendecom.com. Um, when somebody yep. goes to your website, what would you recommend that they do? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to have a publication tab. So if you want to vet us out further, we have podcast links, you know, things we've been in the media, whether it's Forbes, Yahoo, stuff like that. So you can look at that. You can look at pretty much how our business models work to some extent. Uh, but really, you know, if it does, you know, draw interest, you can book a call with us directly on our site. That's a 15 to 20 minute like educational kind of call. We are not here to sell anything or push anything. It's more of learning about what is your background? Why does this draw interest? How we work in our partnerships and see if it makes sense to continue the conversation and really peel back the layers of the actual business model a little bit further. And so that's all on our website where you can book and you can also find us on YouTube and Instagram for more educational stuff around the industry and how we're part of it and what we do in regards to it. Yeah. Awesome. Will Basta, again, your website, ascendecom.com, of which you're the co-founder. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Josh. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. 
If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.